You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green-Smith, episode 460. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP460. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hey, hey, pod people. Amy here, and I am really pumped because this week we are going to be jumping into a new mini series. So last week we wrapped up our series on stuckness with uh, an episode on how perfectionism and procrastination are linked and how that can kind of keep us stuck. We had an awesome guest expert. So if you didn't catch those episodes and you feel like you've been in a sort of a transition and feeling like you don't know what to do or you do know what to do, but you're not sure why you're not taking action, I would highly suggest you check out that mini series. But this week, we're jumping into a new handful of episodes all around trauma and how that relates to our relationships with our family. So off the top, I'm going to give a trigger warning or a disclaimer that this is a typically a deep issue for damn near all of us. So if you have ex- experienced or lived through extreme abuse, I, I just want you to I want to encourage you to take your healing very seriously and seek out the care that you deserve. I'm not going to be referencing, you know, major abuse or anything like that in this episode, but sometimes just having the conversation around trauma can be really difficult because what I have found pretty consistently throughout my work over the last 15 years is that none of us are really rooting for our trauma. And what I mean by that is it is easier for us to be in denial than it is oftentimes for us to really say, oh, I was in an abusive relationship or the way that my parents spoke to me was extremely manipulative and verbally abusive. None of us want to ascribe abuse or trauma to our life. We want to sweep it under the rug. Typically, we want to say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It wasn't that bad. Or they had all these other great, great character traits, or they treated me or took care of me really well or whatnot. We have a really difficult time staring that in the face. So sometimes when we have conversations like this, a lot can surface. 
So I just want to encourage you to take care of yourself. I also want to say that it's out of my scope of practice to heavily discuss discuss abuse anyway. Uh, But what I have noticed throughout my career is that pretty much every single person I've come in contact with, I mean, even in my regular life, has some sort of trauma that they are sorting through, either consciously, subconsciously. Um, So we're going to discuss today what happens primarily in the subconscious mind and how that's related to trauma and understanding sort of some of the stigmas around trauma in our in our culture and also in sort of the personal development world. And then I'm going to give you a an exercise that you can use to it's a, an acronym that I created to help you parse out how you have interpreted the situations that you've experienced throughout your life and what you've made that mean and then how that has informed your coping mechanisms. What I'm hoping that this will be is not something where I'm saying you for sure have trauma and here's what it looks like and here's how it manifests. Not necessarily that, but to give you a jumping off point for you to look at the series of events throughout your life and recognize how they have impacted you And then really be at choice with what you want to do with that. And oftentimes, we really need another person or program or therapist or practitioner to help us unpack some of this. And I really think the majority of successful interactions with either coaches or therapists are when you feel really safe and held with that individual. I think they're both incredible modalities, and I think there's a lot of nuance inside of those modalities. But the biggest element, and this is something that I'm always talking about with people who, if they're searching for a coach or a therapist or whoever, is do I feel safe and held and seen with this particular individual? So we're going to jump into all of that, but I thought I would throw that out here at the very top. Please take care of yourself. Recognize if these sorts of conversations are triggering for you, and just know that we're going to be discussing this in the the lens through the lens of familial relationships. Next week, we're going to have an awesome guest expert who is quite studied and an authority on trauma, so she's going to share tons of goodies with us next week. You won't want to miss that. But before we jump into all of the goodies from today, I am just beside myself because the priority application window is now open for my brand new program that is called Worthy. You've probably heard me talk about it the last handful of weeks. I have been curating this program for a while now, and it is going to be the mother load. It is a nine-month process, a group deep dive, radically transformational immersion, and five-day luxury retreat, in-person retreat in Mexico. This resort is unbelievable. It's so beautiful. So we're going to get to be at the beach and meet each other in person after we've done all this awesome work together for months and months and months. We'll actually get to hug each other and process some incredible uh, things that we've been working on and do some fun growth-filled personal development shit around, you know, 
a fire on the beach, hopefully. <laughs> We're seeing if we can swing that. But lots of cool stuff planned for that week. But the the immersion is designed to get you to a place where you genuinely believe in your own worthiness, your own enoughness, and that informs your entire reality. I have seen this consistently in my work, that when women genuinely believe that they matter, that they are enough, that they are deserving of the things that they want in their life, everything else changes. They stop tolerating bullshit inside of a relationship, whether that is an intimate partnership or familial relationships. The boundaries I have seen women establish in their life is just incredible when they truly believe that they are enough, that they are worthy. Typically what I see, the the largest behavioral tactics that I see in my work are folks who lean on people-pleasing, perfectionism, a real strong investment in the opinions of what other people think about their life, about their choices, that basically rules their entire existence. And what's behind all of that is this belief that I'm not worthy or I'm not enough unless other people approve of me or unless I'm flawless, unless I'm perfect. I talked about that quite a bit in some of the episodes around being stuck due to perfectionism. And this, it, I, I, we are doing everything. We are doing hypnosis in every module. We are doing inner child work. We are doing emotional intelligence work, values work, belief work, all sorts of things. So you will be a radically different person by the end of this program because we're going to be spending the better part of a year together, a small group. I'm not taking more than 15. And if you would like to get more information on this and it's been calling at you and you've been thinking about it, go fill out the application. It's a very simple process. Go to amygreensmith.com slash worthy. That will give you the official invitation. It gives you all of the information about every single thing that's that you would need to know about participating in this program. And on that invitation, you'll see the option to apply. When you apply, that process of just filling out the application can be hugely enlightening. Lots of thought-provoking questions, and that process alone, I think, could be really helpful for you. And then we'll jump on a call, and we'll just iron everything out. That way you can talk to me, and we can have you know a lovely conversation about anything that's scaring you or anything like that. But the first item of business is to get that invitation, review it, and then apply. Again, applications are only going to be accepted through the end of this week. So you do not have a ton of time to sit on it. This is the priority window, which means that there are additional benefits and bonuses that will drop off after this uh, time period. Now, because it's a smaller group and I have not offered the, anything for a while, my guess is that it will fill up during this priority window. So more so than the bonuses, it's like get in because chances are we're going to sell out pretty quickly. So again, amygreensmith.com slash worthy. You can get all of the specifics, all of the info that you need over there. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about trauma and the subconscious mind. I'm going to cover off five major points here today, but the first one that we're going to talk about is just understanding how the subconscious mind works. Now, depending on who 
you're talking to. You, you might hear slightly different percentages here. But on average, I would say the conscious faculty of the mind is roughly between like 5 to 10% of our mind's power. 5 to 10% is the conscious faculty of the mind. That means that the remaining 90 to 95% of our mind's power is ruled by the subconscious. Now, there are different elements in both of these parts of the mind. So in the conscious faculty of the mind, that is where we have logic, reason, rationale, and also willpower. Five to 10%. So when when we're trying to reason our way into why we are enough, or we're trying to make it logical that, well, I know what I should be doing. Why am I not doing that? Well, it's likely because it's in direct opposition to something in the subconscious mind. Again, subconscious is 90 to 95%. What's housed in the subconscious are our beliefs, our values, our habits, and also our primitive fear responses like fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And we're not going to get too much into, into that piece today. It's just important to know that that is a part of our subconscious makeup. Now, throughout our lives, largely as we're children, we start to make positive or negative associations with things we come in contact with. So the way that the mind works is we register things as being known or unknown. And once they become known, they either become a positive association or a negative association. So for example, when you are young and you've never experienced meeting a dog before, that's considered an unknown, okay? So the mind will always register something as unknown as being slightly scary, right? Because it's always looking to ward off threat, So this is also why when something is brand new, like a brand new job, or we're starting school again, or we're getting back into the dating scene again, when something is new and we haven't done it before, the brain goes, are you sure this is safe? And so it sends in kind of all the red flags and like, so that's why we get scared when we're actually in danger. And we also get scared when something is just new. Okay. So let's say... You've never met a dog before, and the first experience with a dog, remember, you're already on guard a little bit because this is an unknown to the brain. We don't know if it's safe yet, and you, the dog just licks you, and you have the best time. Now, in your mind, you put a little positive sign around dogs. So embedded now into the subconscious part of the mind, we have a positive association with dogs. Now, conversely, if you had this unknown of meeting a dog, you meet a dog and it bites you the very first time, then you create a negative association with the dog. Now, this happens with everything in our life. So for example, maybe when you're younger, you get applauded for your looks. 
So you create this belief in your mind, in the subconscious part of your mind, because we don't consciously do this, remember. We're subconsciously going, oh, I have a positive association now with ultra dieting or or controlling the way my body looks or controlling the way my hair looks or you know all of these positive associations with getting feedback positively around your body. So even if it leads to a detrimental behavior like doing drugs or doing extreme dieting or smoking cigarettes, even though it leads to negative behaviors, there's still a positive association with keeping your body looking the way it did when you received that feedback. So you can see how we start to create associations with things that are not necessarily healthy, but we frame them as a positive. Another huge one of those is perfectionism and people-pleasing, which is one of the reasons why I target that so heavily inside of Worthy, this new program. So what we do is we notice that people-pleasing, like taking care of one of our parents, let's say, or making sure that they don't scream and yell at us because they tend to drink a little too much and then they get really volatile, we learned that people-pleasing is positive because it keeps us safe. And then we go throughout the rest of our life and we realize, oh, shit, this is not helping me in my marriage. This is not helping me in my workplace. It's not helping me with my family members. I need to change this behavioral pattern. But what we don't understand typically is that we're trying to do that consciously. And what we have to untangle is the subconscious belief that people-pleasing is the safe option or the subconscious belief that I'm only valuable for what I look like or the subconscious belief that all dogs are harmful. So you can understand how we develop phobias, how we develop behavioral patterns to stay safe, why we attach to perfectionism, or maybe you got really applauded for being the class clown. And so there was a lot of positive association with just making light of things, making it really difficult to process heavy information later. So typically, around the age of eight, we develop this little guard dog that kind of stands right in between the subconscious and the conscious. And this guard dog basically checks for continuity between the conscious and the sub. And what that is, what that little guard dog is, is your inner critic, your inner shit talker, your inner critic. It's also known as the critical factor of the mind. And we don't develop that really until around the age of eight. So Keep that in mind, all of y'all out there who are are parents. Basically, what that means is like your children are in a constant state of hypnosis, meaning they are highly suggestible. So all of the messages that you receive up until that time, you don't have the critical factor to help you discern like, oh, maybe this is really a negative thing for me to be trying to placate my abusive parent. And this is going to lead me to some really devastating interactions in my adult life. We don't do that. We don't have a critical factor that helps us critique. So we just absorb most of the messages we receive at face value. 
So if a parent tells us, like, you need to use your looks to get ahead in life or, you know, in my situation, there's a God who controls your every move and that you better be a good girl for the rest of your life or else you will burn in eternal damnation. You know, those sorts of things being told to a child are it's like it becomes fact in the subconscious mind if the critical factor has not been developed yet. So basically what this little guard dog is going to do now is it is going to check for continuity between what you know consciously and what you believe subconsciously. So that means if you start trying to tell yourself, I am enough or I am capable or any number of things you want to consciously believe. If your subconscious mind goes, no, you're clearly not enough or you're, you have evidence to support that you are not capable, that guard dog then kicks back any positive change that you're trying to make because 90% of your brain does not agree. 90% of your mind does not agree. So the guard dog goes, get that affirmation out of here. Fuck that. Get it out of here. Move on. That's not real. That's not true. Because it's looking for any information that's congruent with those beliefs. So the solution then is that we start changing what is rooted in that subconscious part of the mind which is one of the reasons why I love hypnosis so much is because in the hypnotic process, that guard dog, the critical factor of the mind, the inner critic, goes to sleep. So we are able to embed and infuse new beliefs, new things that you want to attach to directly into the subconscious mind, which is radically faster than if we try to do it over and over and over again consciously. That is why a majority of the time you hear people saying positive affirmations do not work. And it's it's not that they don't work. They will work over time with repetition. That's how it becomes a habit. And remember, habits are housed in the subconscious. But in order for it to get there, it basically has to go to battle with the inner critic over and over and over again until that guard dog, that inner critic finally goes, I guess she really wants to believe this, and they allow it to drop down into the subconscious mind. So yes, affirmations work, but they usually work after you've done them over and over and over and over and over again, but we usually throw in the towel because that inner critic kickback is so strong saying, no, you're not enough. No, this is stupid. This is a dumb exercise. So we don't do it enough to actually create the habit, which is another reason why I love the hypnotic modality to really access that subconscious mind. Okay. So let's understand a little bit more about trauma and the familial way in which we attach meaning to things that we've heard or experienced from our primary caregivers. So now we kind of understand how the subconscious mind works. Understanding trauma, this is my second point here. I think one of the most important pieces of this is understanding that a traumatic event is anything that has a lasting negative effect on you, period. 
I think in our society, we often thought that trauma is only reserved for extreme situations like going to war or assault, maybe even going through a divorce or, you know, going bankrupt. But a majority of us think of trauma as being extreme. And it's not necessarily about what happened to you. It's about what you made it mean. It's how you interpreted that set of events. So for example, something could be just simply said to you in your childhood, a passing comment from a teacher or from a family member, and that could have a lasting traumatic effect on the rest of your life. For other folks, they may experience something very, very similar, and it just rolls right off their back. They don't give it credence. They don't interpret it in the same way that you may have. So trauma is 100% relative to how it impacts you, not necessarily the act itself. So you could have a situation, a relationship, let's say with a parent or somebody you dated that they weren't necessarily beating you or assaulting you or things like that. But the messages that you received or the things that you interpreted from that experience were incredibly traumatic. But again, because we don't root for our trauma, we never want to say, I have all this trauma. We tend to write it off and say, oh, it wasn't that bad. And therefore, we ignore our healing. So this is why a lot of inner child work is focused on in worthy. It's also why we're doing emotional intelligence work and understanding how to navigate our emotions and what to do with them in a really safe way. It's why we dig through belief systems and, you know, why we use a lot of hypnosis to start changing and altering these things. We, I actually have a, a, a hypnotic track that will be custom made for everybody specifically around their beliefs, which is something I've seen a lot of great success with. Okay, so trauma, sometimes you'll hear it talked about as like little T trauma, big T trauma. Sometimes you'll hear it talked about as far as like acute trauma, chronic or complex. Acute is typically uh, like if we put it in terms of like an accident where there was one, one specific incident where you got in a car accident, that would be like an acute trauma. It happened in one singular situation. Chronic is where, let's say you got in car accident after car accident after car accident, where it it was chronic. It kept happening. The incident kept happening. The trauma kept affecting you. And then there's complex trauma when there's sort of a medley of a lot of those those two going on. And again, this is not my scope of practice. This is not my field of practice. But I do think it's a good idea to have a rudimentary understanding of, of how trauma is referred to in our In our society, right? So I personally believe that you can experience things like PTSD for situations that we would normally never think could be associated with that. For example, religious trauma can carry a lot of PTSD. Um, That's something that I have been working through for quite a while now. And I would have never thought that that was trauma. I would have never thought just like that I don't believe the things that I was raised with, like that that's actually 
affected me the way that it has. But as I've looked at it and as I've unpacked it, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, that that has negatively impacted me in many, many, many ways. Okay, so it's not something that we can label. So don't get caught up in that. Uh, and like, oh, that is always trauma or this is never trauma or anything like that. It is, a again, 100% relative to how you experienced that incident. Before we continue, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And you know I'm a huge fan of therapy. I like to say if you don't think that you need therapy, then you probably need therapy. Because listen, without a healthy mind, being really, truly happy and at peace can really be a challenge. But the good news is that therapy really does work. So whatever you need help with, it is time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling feeling better, okay? Because you deserve to be happy. Here's the deal. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to be on camera if you don't want to. Hello, introverts. I see you out there. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They have over 20,000 therapists in their network, which gives you way, way more options than your immediate geographical area. And it's also available for clients worldwide. Much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in less than 48 hours. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. In fact, a member of my family just started and totally loves it. It is always a good time to invest in yourself because you deserve it. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and the Bold Face Truth podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash bold truth. That's betterhelp.com slash bold truth or enter the code bold truth at checkout again to save 10% off your very first month. All right, let's get back to the show. So I'm going to give you a, a basis, a, a, an exercise that you can do to start working through an understanding of what are some of the things that I experienced from my primary caregivers, from my family of origin, how did I interpret them? So this is a great kind of uncovering exercise, and I would really encourage you if you think that there are a lot of elements that are going to come up in this exercise, if you're like, shit, this is a can of worms I'm going to open, please get yourself a therapist. Please consider worthy if you think that that's the right option or path for you. And again, when you do the application process and when we jump on the phone and stuff, we can talk about if if it really is more of a therapy modality. I It's not uncommon for me to have clients and students who also have a therapist. I have a coach and a therapist. <laughs> I think it's it's just... It, I look at it as part of my wellness team, part of my health team. Okay, so I'm going to give you this acronym. It's called EIC, and the way to remember that is every incident counts. EIC, every incident counts. The E of this acronym, every incident counts, EIC, the E stands for experience. What were the pivotal experiences that you had as a child that impacted you or experiences that were modeled for you by somebody else, by a parent or primary caregiver? 
sometimes it's not as much what was said directly to you. Sometimes it's just what you saw explicitly modeled. An example of this for many Gen Xers, uh, we can probably remember our boomer mothers being obsessed with their weight. And although I never had a mom who said negative things to me about my body or ever informed me that I needed to diet or anything like that, it was modeled to me by her. So I saw somebody wrestle with weight not being okay all growing up. So that experience alone can inform trauma for us, right? And a traumatic relationship kind of with our bodies. So here's a couple of of kind of food for thought. Name calling, presenting anything as truth. So name calling, if things that are said directly to you, presenting things as truth, that is an example of any type of ideology whether it is religion or political or this is how we view other races. It's anything that is presented to you as truth, labeling or branding you, telling you who you are, what you are, modeled behavior, as I mentioned, how they spoke to one another, how your parents spoke to each other or about one another, messages you might have received around money, around bodies, other genders, races, around messages around emotions. That's a huge one. Specific incidents, of course. Many of us have incidents that are kind of imprinted in our memory that we can very clearly remember as being impactful. I would encourage you to look at that. Even if we don't call it trauma, you don't even have to call it trauma. You can just say, I recognize that that situation has stuck with me and I would like to unpack it. (laughs) That might be a great first step. Gaslighting, making you think that you were wrong for feeling what you felt. This is another huge one where it's like, our family doesn't do that. Good girls don't do that. Christian girls don't do that. Um, whatever, Whatever specific gaslighting around you're not allowed to feel your emotions, you're not allowed to think that way, any number of those things. Or also someone just simply not being at home, being absent, always making work more of an important thing. That can also be an experience where you then jump into number two, which is the interpretation So every incident counts. E stands for experience. I stands for interpretation. What truth did you create about those experiences? A lot of times this is where we see our beliefs formed. This is where they start to anchor into that subconscious part of the mind. This is where we go, okay, my parent was never at home. They always made work more important. Therefore, I'm not enough. I'm not enough to want to spend time with. It could also inform beliefs around work, like work is more important than anything else, more important than any interpersonal relationship. Uh, If you were name called, for example, Mr. Smith 
is quite open that his father would always call him a liar, a cheater, and a thief. So for a long time in his youth, he believed that. He believed, I am a liar, a cheater, and a thief, and would find evidence to support that and sometimes live into it. So the interpretation is how we conclude what we experienced, right? This is where we start to attach to beliefs of like, ooh, it's safer to people please. People pleasing is safety. And in some situations, it absolutely is. That's a nuance that I feel very strongly about uh, and we talk about in Worthy as well. So you might have interpreted those experiences to mean my body's not acceptable, uh, money is hard to come by, vulnerability is weakness, feeling my emotions isn't safe, all men are fill-in-the-blank, all women are fill-in-the-blank, right? So this is another huge element of some of the stuff that we're going to be working through and worthy, and actually, what do we do with this once we find this information out, right? Okay, then the final piece of the acronym, every incident counts, we have the E for experience, the I for interpretation, the C stands for coping. What became your coping mechanisms? Oftentimes, they look like overachieving, perfectionism, control, people-pleasing, disordered, intimate or dating relationships, addictions, escapism, not wanting to feel anything, you know, numbing out. New trauma also will kick up old trauma. So if you start to engage with somebody in your work life who really reminds you of your father, you guess what? All your triggers are going to come out. All your shit's going to come out. And you're probably going to have a lot to reckon with because just because we try to s- suppress and like squash that old trauma, there's likely going to be a doppelganger that pops up some other time in our life that we go, oh, shit, I got to look at this again. I found that many um, people who are sort of in the ex-fundamentalist movement or who have deconstructed or left the religion that they ra- were raised in that there are, there's definitely some folks that have leaned towards rebellion for sure, but I see chronically beliefs about not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not valuable. Therefore, I need to people please and I need to be perfect. And those are the coping mechanisms that show up a lot. So that is your acronym to start unpacking and just looking at what might I need to work through. And then again, if you're with me and worthy, we'll be going through like, okay, how do we start shifting this? How do we start changing that? But if you've hung out with me for any length of time, you'll know that I always say awareness is the win. You have to start with the awareness piece. You have to figure out first What are those elements that I experienced as a child? And then how did I interpret them? And then what did I do because of that? What were my coping mechanisms because of that? Now, number four on my items here is is what nobody really wants to hear, which is be prepared to continue to readdress the wound. 
This is why your personal development journey is really never done. Like I don't now at this point in my life, I never think I'm not enough ever. I never think I'm not worthy, but I still have shit that comes up around other areas, right? Like during the pandemic, it became really apparent to me how much religious trauma I needed to sort through. Because every single thing that was happening in the political sphere, I saw through a religious lens and had so much anger and rage about it that was impeding me from being creative or impacting my work or doing the things that I really wanted to do. So being prepared that new trauma will kick up that old trauma and there will be something there for you at that point to process. Anything like that, any emotional discomfort is just messaging. It's just there to be like, hey, bitch, pay attention. <laughs> There's some shit we got to work through. Okay, so it's going to evolve over time. It could change when you become a parent yourself and you start going, oh, oh, I have a lot of body image shit that I don't want to pass on to my daughter. I need to work through this again or for the first time. Okay, and then finally, number five is get the support. If you think it's with me and worthy, I would be more than honored to be a part of that process. Go fill out the application. Go to amygreensmith.com slash worthy. You can view the invitation, then just click to fill out the application. Super simple. And we'll see if it's a good fit. If it's not with me, if you think that it there's some deeper stuff here that is severe abuse or is extreme trauma, get yourself a great trauma-informed therapist. Look into modalities like EMDR or brain spotting. If there are things that just you have not been able to move the needle, it's time to get some support around that. Okay, you can't just keep doing what you're doing because you're going to get more of the same. And if you don't want more of the same, you got to start doing something different. Okay, and our wonderfully capitalist society that highly values individuality and productivity does not encourage you to get support, does not encourage you to get the help that you need. It's, oh, I can do it on my own or, oh, it's not that bad. Or, I am here to tell you that literally everybody needs therapy. L- everyone. Okay, everybody. (laughs) So please know that whatever you are going through or whatever is surfacing for you deserves healing. Easy place to start would be to fill out the application, obviously, for Worthy, (laughs) or to check out BetterHelp. You know I've got the coupon code. It's always hanging around. That would be another option to source a therapist that could work very, very specifically on some of the issues that are coming up for you. And if you think that some of the stuff that we've talked about here today sounds really fascinating and you want to learn more, again, you will be able to find all the information on Worthy in the show notes as well. So let's talk about this really brief, quick recap. Number one, understanding how the subconscious mind works, how you know, the the reasons why we've made certain associations with things is all just our brain trying to take care of us. We don't become people pleasers or perfectionists at a debilitating level for the fuck of it or to fuck our own lives up. <laughs> we do it because it helped keep us safe. All right. Number two, have a real solid understanding of what trauma actually is, which is 
anything that has created a lasting negative effect or impact on your life that deserves some healing. Start working through the Every Incident Counts acronym, E-I-C. E stands for experience. What What did you experience? I is interpretation. How did I interpret these sets of events? And then C stands for coping. What were my coping mechanisms? What did I start doing then based off of those beliefs that I created? Number four, be prepared to continue to readdress the wound in new ways. Oftentimes, it's never as difficult as it was the first time around. (laughs) Not always, but that is a common occurrence. Usually, your resilience starts to, to get a little bit more beefed up. And then finally, number five, get support. Next week, we are going to dial up an expert. My buddy Alexa Ray is going to chime in on parental trauma and what that looks like for us and what we can do about it. And then I'm going to wrap up this series in a few weeks around a topic of what to do when your parent just kind of fucking sucks. (laughs) Like, give me some tactical skills. What do I do about that? So I'm hoping this has been really helpful for you. Please scoot over to Instagram and be sure to say hi. Tell me what your biggest takeaway was. You can find me under the handle Hey Amy Green Smith, and be sure to check out Worthy at amygreensmith.com slash worthy. And I'm sending you so much love. Please remember you are worthy of your healing, whatever that looks like. Okay. And the first step is just acknowledging that you need that support. You deserve it and you are capable of so much more than you give yourself credit for. I will see you around these parts next week. Please remember your voice matters. You are enough. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, 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 just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you, bye.